0: John chapter 6, the Gospel of John, chapter number 6, and again, thank you for being here, and thank you for accommodating us on the balcony, you know, it kind of gets everybody a little closer together, and uh, I know uh, Baptists aren't famous for wanting to be close together, but that's okay, and uh, (laughs) uh, John chapter number 6 in your Bible, John chapter number 6, and, of course, it's the month of May, and that means uh, graduations are upon us. I mentioned that uh, Lake Christ Baptist School graduation here just, oh, a little over two weeks away, I guess, something like that. <clears throat> and uh, college graduations are upon us. And I know we've got some college graduates, uh, fresh college graduates this morning. And uh, let's see, uh, Timothy's over in uh, Teen Church right now. Where's uh, Brett? Brett, you in here? Holler at me. Where's he at? Brett Haynes? He's ditching church? Oh. <laughs> He's over there as well? Okay. And uh any other college graduates uh in here this morning? I know not I know not from thirty years ago like some of us, but uh anyway. <laughs> some of us it's been so long we can't remember any. <laughs> but uh of course we'll we'll honor all of our graduates. And uh let's see. Uh that's right. Wesley, who is uh you graduate from college and then we just stick you in the penalty box up there right and uh graduated last uh, two weeks ago right a week and a half ago something like that okay so a week ago yesterday from oakland university so congratulations to Wes. and uh, i don't want to overlook anyone we'll uh, we'll formally recognize all these graduates high school graduates college graduates and so forth uh, here in a, in a service very soon. But uh, congratulations to all of these people. Uh, John chapter six. If you'll stand with me, you have uh, a copy of the Word of God, King James Bible, John chapter number six, and we'll begin reading in uh, verse number sixty. John chapter six and verse number sixty six zero. The Bible says, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said. This is an hard saying, who can hear it? And When Jesus knew Him Himself that His disciples murmured at it, He said unto them, Doth this offend you? What an if ye shall see the Son of Man descend up where He was before? Verse 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. Notice verse 65. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Verse 66. From that time many of his disciples, notice what it says, went back and walked no more with him. Verse 67, I believe, one of the saddest verses in all the Bible, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Will ye also go away? I'm going to speak this morning on this subject, sad words from the Savior. Sad words from the Savior. Let's pray together. Our Father, would you please meet with us this morning, all is vain, unless your spirit gets involved in this service. Uh, We can sing, and we can prepare, and we can announce, and we can uh, greet one another. We can try to be an encouragement through personal conversations. We can uh, do the best we can to teach and preach your Word. But, Father, if your Spirit does not get involved, then, Father, it's all for naught. And I pray that you'd help us uh, by your Spirit this morning. Thank you for the blessed Word of God that helps us. Thank you for the preaching of it. <clears throat> that uh, sustains us and provokes us to love and good works. Father, I pray, Father, that you would use the message in a, in, a, in a miraculous way today. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. Be seated, please. <clears throat> from the time that Jesus started his earthly ministry, his following went from multitudes of people to just a comparative handful of people, just a few people. There were the Jesus fans, I like to call them. Uh, I refer to them as Jesus fans because they were people who flocked to Jesus to see a miracle, especially during that first year of his ministry. Uh, The Bible says that people thronged to see him at, at at the outset. Of course, the first recorded miracle that Jesus uh, performed in the Bible was the, uh, the turning of water into wine there at the marriage uh, supper in Cana of Galilee. And from that time through that first year of his ministry, people began to just flock to see a miracle. They wanted to, uh, you know, they, uh, they they heard about blind Bartimaeus, or they heard about the, uh, 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 the, uh, the the lame man by the pool of Bethesda who was healed, and they just wanted to see something that no one else had ever seen before. And I call them the Jesus fans, if you will, because they were there as long as things were happening. As long as there was excitement, you could count on them as long as there was a uh, uh, a miracle to see as long as there was something enthusiastic as long as there were a great crowds, they just kinda wanted to be part of the crowd so to speak Jesus was incredibly popular during those first months of his ministry but as is always the case uh, at some point the men were separated from the boys as it were at some point uh, things began to get a little bit uncomfortable for these people that I call the Jesus fans. You see, uh, the Jesus fans slowly began to fall away from following him, some because of pressure from the religious crowd who pretended to be something that they were not. By the way, if you look very carefully in the, at the ministry of Jesus and the time spent here on this earth, and if you look at those uh, the ministry of the disciples in the book of Acts, the, the big problems that were caused to the cause of Christ were people who professed a religion. They were people who professed to be spiritual, they professed to be godly. They professed something that they were not. The religious crowd always were the ones who gave Jesus uh, the problem. In fact, if you uh, study out the, uh, the the scriptures, you'll find it was the the chief priests and Caiaphas, the high priests, and those who uh, ultimately were responsible uh, for Jesus' arrest and subsequent uh, crucifixion and so forth. But Jesus revealed these people for the hypocrites that they were, and then these religious people threatened to put those. Those who followed Christ out of the temple well for these people that I like to call the Jesus fans they didn't want that they don't want to be put out of the synagogue or put out of the temple they couldn't have that so they backed off they backed off. No longer did they follow Christ. No longer did they uh, uh, throng Him. In fact, it was just Jesus and, and, uh, and just a smattering of people. In fact, the Bible says in our text that many went back. Look with me, if you will, in John chapter 6 and verse 66. The Bible says, from that time, many of His disciples went back. You see, they, uh, they heard some things that Jesus said, but they didn't buy into what Jesus said. You see, it's one thing to be associated with Christ. It's one thing to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I- I'm familiar with uh, with the ministry uh, of Jesus Christ. But it's another thing to be familiar with what he said. It's another thing altogether to buy in to what he said. And there are a group of people here in John chapter 6, in verse 66, the Bible tells us from that time. You see, if you read the preceding verses, you'll find that Jesus was talking about himself as being the, the bread of life. He was the bread of life. Jesus said, if you don't partake of me, you'll not see heaven. You'll not see eternal life. Uh, Jesus spoke metaphorically about himself. In, in a lot of cases, he talked about being the water of life. He talked about himself as being the door to heaven and so forth. And these were some doctrines. These were, this, they're all referring to the same doctrine of salvation. But, uh, but there were some hard sayings for these people to swallow. And the Bible says that some of them turned back. They turn. In fact, the Bible says many of them went back. Obviously, a significant number of people who did not buy into what Jesus was teaching. And that brings me to the verse that, re- that records what I believe are some of the saddest words ever to come from the lips of the Savior. One of the saddest statements in all the scriptures, one of the saddest verses in all the Bible, John 6 and verse 67, where the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto the twelve... Will ye also go away? I can imagine a tear escaping the corner of the Savior's eye. I don't think he said it gleefully. I don't think he said it vindictively. I don't think he said it with any kind of... Rem- any, any kind of... Uh, 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 Ill feeling or ill will in his heart whatsoever. We know that he was the Savior. He was the perfect, sinless Son of God. But I believe there was a tear that escaped his eyes. Jesus, looking at the twelve handpicked disciples and looking at them, said, "Will ye also go away? Are you going to leave me too? Are you going to walk away like those others who didn't buy in? Are you going to go back to the?" old way of life are you going to now again i'm sure there were uh that there were different people there who walked away and i'm sure there were some who walked away for different reasons but needless to say uh, uh many people walked away from the savior and i believe it broke his heart i believe with a tear in his eye he said will you also go away i went to several things this morning as we look at this this message the saddest words of the savior number one the provocation of the question. The provocation. What provoked Jesus to ask those twelve men? Notice, he wasn't just talking to just anybody. He was talking to the twelve men that he had handpicked to be his disciples. He wasn't just talking to somebody who just kind of fell in there with the rest of the crowd just to see the miracles. He was talking to the people that he prayed for all night long before he, he went to them and chose them. He was talking to Peter and James and John and Andrew and Bartholomew and Thomas. He was talking to those men that uh, Simon the Canaanite and James the Less and so forth. Those were the men he were talking to when he said, Are you going to go away too? Are you going to leave me as well? the crowd had dispersed the majority opinion was not favorable to Christ and by the way the majority opinion is seldom favorable to Christ better be careful about about charting your course based on what the crowd is doing because my friend when you chart your course based on where the crowd is going or who they're following uh, nine times out of ten if not more than that you're gonna make a mistake you're gonna mess up you see Far more people walked away from Jesus than decided to follow Jesus. The fans walked away, but the followers stayed behind. The mass exodus away from Christ provoked the question to those who were left behind. May I say this morning, the crowd is usually wrong. The crowd's usually wrong. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go therein. Sometimes I'll hear young people make foolish statements like this. Oh, but pastor, everybody's doing it. No, everybody's not doing it. Oh, but pastor, everybody's involved in uh, in this, and oh yeah, I know. Back when you grew up, back in the dark ages, you know it was it was taboo and it was sinful and it was wrong. But this is 2018, and everybody's involved with it, and it's okay. Listen to me, my friend. The crowd does not determine right and wrong. The Word of God determines right and wrong. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. The Bible says, destruction. And the Bible says, many there be that go therein. I want to say, first of all, talking about the crowd. The crowd is wrong in its estimation of salvation. The crowd is wrong in its estimation of salvation. You see, contrary to popular sentiment, we are not all God's children. How often have we heard that? Well, you know, preacher, the whole human race, all of us, we're all God's children. Uh that statement it sounds really nice and warm and fuzzy and everything but there's a problem it contradicts the scripture (laughs) that's not what God said you know you get that warm fuzzy feeling and you know we are the world and we're all gonna hold hands and sing kumbaya we're all gonna make it to heaven one day that's what the devil would like what have you to believe my friend but the sentiment of the crowd is wrong in its estimation of salvation Yes, we're all God's creation, and yes, we're all loved by God as human beings, but no, not everyone is a child of God. And by definition, not everyone is going to go to heaven just because you live on God's planet. I'm simply saying, Jesus pointed this out in John 8, verse 44. He was talking to a group of religious people. He said this, Ye are of your father, the devil. Well, that's pretty pointed, isn't it? (laughs) John 8, 44. Ye are of your father, the devil. I wonder why Jesus wasn't liked by some people. (laughs) Hey, you're just like your daddy, Satan. Uh, And the lusts of your father, Jesus said, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he's a liar and the father of it. And then Jesus also said Matthew 7:21, not everyone that saith unto me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven. Hey, I'm simply saying, not everyone is going to heaven who thinks they're going to heaven. You see, the crowd would have you believe, oh, we're all going to make it somehow, some way. Hey, you know, I, I was witnessing somebody uh, years ago and they said, you know, I, I kind of look at it like this. I, I, uh, they were say, saying this to me and uh, they said, I, I look at heaven as kind of like New York City. Boy, I've never been so disappointed in the thought of heaven. But anyway, <clears throat> if you're from New York, please forgive me. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, they said uh, this guy said to me, he said, I look at heaven It's kind of like going to New York City. You know, you can take a train or you can take an airplane or you can take the interstate. Or, if you really want to, you can just kind of hitchhike to New York. And man, he just went through this long dissertation about how heaven was like New York and getting there. And I said, I said, there's a problem with that. I said, there ain't nothing, there is no, there is nothing in common between heaven and New York. Trust me on that one. No, you're not going to get to heaven like you get to New York. You can't just take any old way. It's not just, you, you, well, you know, I'm going to choose uh, Buddhism, or I'm going to choose uh, 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 Islam, or I'm going to choose uh, uh, the uh, Confucius way, or I'm going to choose this, some mystic religion. No, sir. No, Jesus said, I am the way. The way. There's only one way to heaven. You say, Pastor, that sounds kind of narrow-minded. Call it what you want. It's God's way. It's God's way. John 1 verse 12, Jesus said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I'm here to say this morning, being a son of God is reserved for those who receive Jesus Christ. We're not all sons of God because we're born in the human race. We're sons of God because we're born into God's family through faith in Christ. That's the only way to go to heaven. The only way to become a son of God. The crowd is wrong in its estimation of salvation. Hey, not only that, the crowd is wrong in its estimation of consecration. You see, when the rubber met the road, most of the people who were fans of Christ had no desire really to be like Christ. They were kind of following from a distance. They just wanted to see something. They wanted to feel something. They wanted uh, to—they wanted to be able to buy the T-shirt that said, "I was there when he cast out the demons. I was there when he fed five thousand men, let alone women and children. I was there when this happened." That's the kind of folks these folks were. They wanted to be there, but they didn't really want to be like him. You see. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, you may as well accept the idea that you'll not be in the majority, my friend. If your idea of Christianity is is to be embraced and accepted by the world, I'm sorry, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Because a true follower of Christ will bear his cross, Jesus said. A true follower of Christ. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. There is a burden to bear. There is a cross to bear. There is is the reproach of being associated with Jesus Christ. Not everybody is going to love you and welcome you with open arms if you decide to be like Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that. There was the, not only... Uh, Do I see the provocation of the question when Jesus said, will you also go away? Hey, to his disciples, hey, Peter, will you go away? Hey, John, are you going to go away? Hey, James, are you going to go away? Are you going to follow the crowd? Are you going to follow me? I see also the personal nature of the question. The personal nature of the question. You see, it was directed specifically to 12 men, but not to these 12 men as a group of people. It was directed to 12 individuals within that group. You see, everybody in this room, you need to ask yourself, it's as if Jesus was looking at you and saying, Will you also go away? Are you also going to leave me? He says to those of you who are on the fence about salvation this morning, are you going to go away and search out your own way to get to heaven? Because if you do, you're going to be miserably disappointed and end up in a lake of fire without God for eternity. And he looks at those of us who are saved, and as as I believe he was looking at his disciples and say, hey, you counted the cost, you decided to follow me at one time, are you going to stick with it? Are you going to stick with it? Are you going to... Are you going to follow me when things get a little tough? Hey, when the kitchen heats up, are you going to be able to take the heat? (laughs) Hey, when when things go wrong, and sometimes they're going to go wrong, but let me tell you something. Jesus, I believe, looked at his disciples with a tear in his eye and said to not just a group of 12 men, but to 12 individual men, will ye also go away? The personal nature of the question. It was directed to them one-on-one. Peter, will you go away? Andrew, will you go away? James, will you go away? John, Nathaniel, Simon, Thomas, and right on down the line, all the way, by the way, one of those men was Judas Iscariot. One of those men to whom Jesus was speaking in that group of 12 was the one who betrayed him. In fact, a couple of verses earlier in the passage, the Bible says Jesus knew who it was who would betray him. He was talking to him. Judas, will you also... Go away. By the way, notice something. The one who betrayed him gave the pretense of following him when others would not. There's a lesson to be learned right there. Understand something. The question is one that must be answered by the individual. You cannot ride someone else's coattails to heaven. Can't do it. There are young people in this room. You've grown up in a good church. There are young people in this room. Uh uh, you may be a teenager now, perhaps you're uh in, in your uh junior uh you know third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade and so forth, and uh but you're sitting in this room uh and and you've grown up in church, your mom and dad are Christians, perhaps your grandparents are Christians, perhaps your your heritage and your testimony is such that your great grandparents and even beyond were Christian folks, but hey, that won't get you to heaven. You don't get to heaven secondhand. You don't get to heaven by riding someone else's spiritual coattails. It doesn't work that way, my friend. Your mother can't put you on her back and take you to heaven. Won't happen that way. Your daddy, because hey, I'm sure he was a good man. Your, your, your dad may be a Sunday school teacher or a bus, a bus worker, whatever the case may be. Your folks may sing in the choir. But that won't take you to heaven. I'm simply saying there is a personal question here. Will you also go away? If I may paraphrase, are you going to buy in? Are you going to buy in? Are you going to be a Jesus fan or Jesus follower? You see, the fans walked away when things got tight. Followers stayed behind. Hey, you'll not associate your way into heaven. You're not, you'll not associate your way into heaven. Ah, oh, Pastor, I'll have you know, I've been associated with this church uh, for decades. Wonderful. But when you get to heaven, when, hey, when you breathe your last breath on this side of eternity, nobody on the other side is going to say, uh, yes, let me see your church affiliation papers, please. Contrary to what you may have heard or seen through uh, uh, as legendary, uh, St. Peter won't be at the pearly gates waiting for any of us, okay? The Bible says if you're saved, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He has a pretty good accounting system of who is and who's not. You'll not associate your way into heaven. Well, Pastor, I'll have you know I'm associated with, uh, with this uh, uh, charitable organization. I'll have you know I'm, I'm associated with, uh, with this group of people who does all kinds of good for the community. That's a wonderful thing. But you'll not associate your way into heaven. You'll not associate your way in, in, into eternal life. I'm simply saying it is a personal question. A personal question. To those of you who are saved this morning... It's a personal question as to whether or not you're going to buy in, so to speak. Are you going to be a disciple of Christ or just a fan? Are you going to be someone who bears your cross, someone who 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 is faithful throughout when things get turned up, when he gets turned up by the crowd, and when folks walk away, when, when some of the best friends you ever had walk away, walk out of church for the last time, say, I'm done with that. Hey, what about you? Will you also go away? By the way, who are you following anyway? You see, at some point we have to determine, are we following the crowd or are we following Christ? Are we following our friends or are we following the friend that sticketh closer than a brother? Are we following folks? Are we following someone who gave his life, who died on a cross, who bore our shame and our grief and our sins on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago? Hey, if they don't have nail prints in their hands and their feet, they're not the ones to follow. You've got to determine who we're following. Jesus said, will ye also go away? I see the... the the provocative nature of the question, the personal nature of the question, I want you to see this morning the persuasion of the answer. The persuasion of the answer. Look back with me at the text, if you will, John chapter 6, and look at verse number 66, if you will. John chapter 6 and verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Here's the answer. Verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter spoke up. I like old Peter. I know Peter gets a bum rap sometimes. I know Peter sometimes, we, we like to criticize him. You know, Peter's the one who who uh, uh, he, uh, he took his eyes off the Lord and he sunk beneath the waves and by the way he's the only one to get out of the boat <laughs> he's the only one of them that walked on water only one besides Jesus himself who's ever walked on water and uh, he took. We, we criticized him because he took his eyes off the Lord and he sunk beneath the waves. We criticized Peter because he denied the Lord three times on the eve of Christ's crucifixion, and uh, and before the the the, uh, the the rooster crew the next morning. Uh, old Peter had denied the Lord three times, and we give him a hard time for that. We, he he's the one that said, "I go fishing," and and uh, led all the other disciples uh, in a little bit of a period of backsliding. There, we give him a hard time. But you know what? I, I really like him. I think I like him because I see a lot of myself in Peter. <laughs> Kind of up and down. Had a heart to do what's right, but not always had the, the gumption to do it. Had a desire to serve the Lord, but sometimes he kind of fell short. I, I see Peter, I see a lot of us in Peter, to be honest with you. But I want you to see this. Peter spoke up and he said, after Jesus said, with a tear in his eye, will ye also go away? I love, I love Peter's answer. He said, where are we going to go? <laughs> to whom shall we go? Jesus. Who else are we going to follow? He said, "Thou hast the words of life." Jesus, we got nowhere else. To, we got nowhere else to go. We got no one to turn to. If I may paraphrase Peter's answer, I believe he said this, Jesus, I'm buying in. I'm buying in, Jesus. Hey, I believe that you are exactly who you say you are. Look at it again. John chapter 66 and look at verse number uh, 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. Boy, that's pretty plain English right there. You're the son of the living God, Jesus. Where are we going to go? I'm here to tell you this morning that those words from Peter were music to the Savior's ears. I believe with all my heart. I believe after Jesus tearfully asks the question, will you also go away? Peter chimes in, "To whom shall we go, Lord? Thou art the Christ. Uh, you have the words of eternal life. You're the son of the living God." You say, "Well, preacher, how do you know that Jesus was excited to hear that?" Just a hunch, but Hebrews 11:6 says this, "But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is" And that he is a reward of them to diligently seek uh, seek him. Understand something. Hey, Peter said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are exactly who you say you are. And God said, that's the first step to pleasing God. Him that cometh to God must believe that he is. Hey, you believe God this morning? You believe that God can take care of your needs this morning? You believe that the good God of heaven can, can, can take care of your never-dying soul and take you to heaven one day? I believe he can. In fact, one day I believe it so much, I got on my knees and I said, Jesus, if I go to hell, it's your fault because I'm trusting you and you alone for salvation. And Peter said to Christ that day, he said, To whom shall we go? You've got the words of eternal life. You're the son of the living God. You're the one we're going to follow Christ. How about you this morning? The crowds that walked away from Jesus represent the folks who didn't believe in Him. In fact, if you read the passage, it says that Jesus said some hard things. Some hard things. They they questioned what He said. Oh, they were thrilled with the miracles, and they were it was a lot of fun there for a while, but when He said some hard things, they, they walked away. They couldn't take it, the Bible says. They may have not have realized it that day, but they were walking away from eternal life that's a tremendous fault to me those people that walked away that day they did not realize it at the time they thought they were just walking away from from, from someone who did some pretty incredible things but no what they were walking away from was their own eternal life The walk away from jesus will you also go away there have been people who come into the doors of this church and turned around after having heard the gospel, they have turned and they too have walked away. There have been Christians, oh yes, they're on their way to heaven, but there have been Christians who at one point had, had, had given themselves in consecrated holiness to the Lord and had given, up the, given their lives to serve the Lord and were faithful and, uh, and, and were, were just going great for, for many months or many years perhaps, but there was a time when things began to go wrong and instead of staying with the stuff, they walked away. They walked away. Will ye also walk away? Will ye also go away? Those people who did not realize that day, who walked away, they were walking away from the door to heaven. They did not realize they were walking away from the bread of life. They did not realize, perhaps, that they turned their back on the way, the truth, and the life. How sad it was and how sad it is today. Don't walk away without Christ. If you're not saved this morning, don't walk away without Christ. Hey, if you're, you're saved but you're a little discouraged and, and perhaps Satan has, has uh, lied to you. By the way, Satan lies to all of us. He does. What he's good at. We read in John 8:44 a while ago, he's the father of lies. He sells you a bill of goods and he tries to convince those of you who are saved. He tries to get you on an island. He tries to isolate you all by yourself. He tries to tell you nobody cares. He tries to tell you that there's a, uh, you know, that the church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites and that church is this and church is that. Boy, you all to just go out and do your own thing and all this, hey, let me tell you something. He's a liar and the father of lies. And if you walk away from Christ, as far as your consecration to, to him as a saved person, and you just kind of fall off the wagon and are no longer faithful to the Word of God and the work of God and the church of God. Hey, you're the loser. Ultimately, you're the loser in that. Hey, let me tell you something. Stay with it. Stay with it. If you're lost this morning, Jesus says to you, will ye also go away? If you're saved, you've received Christ, but you're maybe a little backslidden and cold in your heart to the Lord. Jesus says to you, will ye also go away? Are you going to stay away from fellowship with the Lord? Hey, remember how it used to be? Those of you who've been saved for any length of time, all of us go through peaks and valleys in our Christian life. Everybody does. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. If you've been saved any length of time whatsoever, you have learned that some days you're up here on the mountaintop spiritually, and then some days you're down here. We all go through that. We all go through that. But remember, when you're in the valley, so to speak, what you need to do is remind yourself of how good God has been to you. How in the world am I going to turn my back on somebody who's been so good to me? I've said this, I've, I've mentioned this story often. A man by the name of Polycarp, 86 years old. He was to be burned at the stake in the first century. First century church leader, looked to as a church pastor, elder, whatever, at that time. And he was to be burned at the stake. And they put Polycarp there, and, uh, and they put all the, the, uh, the wood around him, the, the kindling wood that was to be lit on fire and to take his life. And they said to Polycarp, they said, Mr. Polycarp, <clears throat> we'll give you one more chance to recant your faith in Christ. We'll give you one more opportunity to deny your faith. And if you'll do it, (laughs) we'll set you free. You'll go home. You'll live out the rest of your days. You're an 86-year-old man. Polycarp, you've got children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We'll let you live out the rest of your days in the the quietness and, and peaceable surroundings of your home. Polycarp, what do you say? Recant the name of Christ. Recant your faith and all is well. Polycarp. His last words. Eighty and six years. Have I served him? And he had done me no wrong. Gentlemen, you may light the flame. He didn't turn back. He said, I've come this far. I've fallen to this point in my life. Why in the world would I turn back now? He's been so good to me. He's been better to me than I deserve. Let me tell you, if you're saved, Jesus has been good to you. You may look at your life and see a lot of negatives and and, and heartaches and trials and so forth. But look, let me tell you, I'm going to heaven one day. Let that sink in for just a second. I'm going to heaven and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Hell itself cannot take away my salvation. I'm going to kick up gold, gold dust down streets of gold forever. Hey, let me tell you something. You can't take that away from me. Why would I complain? I think I'm going to stick it out God being my helper hey why don't you decide you're going to stick it out don't turn around and follow the crowd they don't know where they're going like Peter said to whom shall we go let me ask you a question where those other people go the multitude that turned around and walked away from Christ who did they follow where did they go what became of their life I'm simply saying there is no other option there is no no logical alternative he is the way of life Why don't you, and why don't I, like Peter, and ten of the other disciples say, To whom shall we go, Lord? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Wilt thou, will ye also go away? That's a question I have to answer for me, and you have to answer for you. Will ye also go away? One of the saddest words... Some of the saddest words ever to come from the lips of the Savior, but it demands an answer from each of us. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ. Where are you going to go for eternal life? You're not going to find it anywhere but Christ. You're here. You don't know. You're not sure of salvation. You say, "Preacher, I'm a good person." I've said it before. Hell will be populated by good people. I'm a church-going person. Hell will be populated by church-going people. You see, church doesn't save. Jesus saves. Baptism doesn't save, Jesus saves. Good works don't save, Jesus saves. To whom shall we go? You better go to Jesus if you're going to go to heaven. If you're here this morning, you're saved. You're thinking about turning back. Perhaps you're a little cold already in your heart to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. To whom shall you go? Will you also go away? Are you going to come this far after all that God has done for you and all of a sudden turn your back on the one who gave his life to save your soul? Oh, I'm not saying you'll lose your salvation because that's impossible. You'll never lose your salvation. But why would you turn around and walk away from fellowship with God? Don't understand that. Don't understand that. Will ye also go away? Our heads are bowed. Their eyes are closed.